0: Welcome to Gen Z Money, episode 26.
1: It might not be easy, but realizing that everything you do in life is a choice. You do not have to go to this job. You do not have to work there. You can get another job if you so choose, if you put in the time to apply to other jobs and stuff. You do not have to be with this person. You do not have to live in this town. These are all choices. And while it's really easy to feel like you don't have any other options. Oftentimes you do if you search outside of yourself.
0: What's going on guys welcome back to the Gen Z money podcast where we turn financial peace to your reality. I'm your host James Bowman as always and today's guest Elizabeth Edmonds joins me to talk about her journey thus far in the personal finance space. What you guys are going to realize is this young lady is 22. So she is Gen Z, just like the target audience of this podcast. And you're going to hear about not only the fact that she's willing to sacrifice, but she has a vision so much bigger than herself. She's not looking at, you know, tomorrow. She's looking at next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, and That's a trait that not many people have nowadays when it comes to finances, especially. You know, a lot of times we want things now, 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 now. And sometimes we have this sense of entitlement. But as you guys are going to see through this interview, she has none of that. She's not putting up with none of that. So I really hope that you guys enjoy the interview. And I don't want to give too much away. So let's get right into it. Before we get into the interview, let's hear a quick word from today's show sponsors. What's going on Elizabeth? Welcome to the Gen Z Money Podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing amazing. I I really appreciate you reaching out to me. You post a lot of good content. On your Instagram, about a lot of positive content about building wealth and budgeting and things like that. So it's awesome to have you on as a guest to not only tell your story and how you ended up where you are today, but to also hopefully give others some positivity on how they can, you know, repeat the steps that you took.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're you're getting that vibe because that is definitely what I'm going for. So thank you.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we need more people like it. I think there's a whole lot of naysayers out there. I think, I think we all run into them. So we need yes. people that are contrary to that to level the playing field.
1: I agree. I think so, too. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people out here who like err on the side of like restriction and negativity. And I think it's a lot harder to make that work in your life, you know?
0: Exactly. So let's let's get right into it, right? Let's go back to little, little Elizabeth, right? Grade school Elizabeth. How was money talked about and viewed as you grew up?
1: I feel like money kind of like evolved as I grew up, but like money was definitely something that we were always conscious about. Like we, um, my parents were very, you know, they were very smart with their money and they were very conscious. Um, they sent, I went to private school, so I was very fortunate in that manner, but we were also always like we can't do this because of money and not because like we couldn't do it just because like they were very like, this is how we should spend our money. So it was definitely like smart and intentional spending throughout my childhood.
0: Gotcha. So it wasn't viewed in uh, a negative light, right? There wasn't much tension
1: around it. Would you say? I mean, I feel like there was a lot, a little bit of tension. Um, There was definitely some like, oh, we can't do that because we're not like them, like the other people who are, you know, wealthy because we weren't like that. We weren't there. Um, And there was definitely like a little bit of like taboo around money. Like it's only recently that my parents have started like freely talking to me about money. They were like, oh, we don't talk about that to you for a really long time, which I think is not always the best because, you know, that perpetuates the tail that like money is taboo and it's bad to talk about money and then that's why a lot of people don't have these hard conversations and share their salary and it creates you know all these gaps and everything so i think there was definitely that like undertone which is not the best
0: yeah you know that is what you just said is amazing because i even today talking about money so often i still do believe that there is a very delicate line when talking about money to your children, especially at a younger age. Of course, when you're older like this, it's a much more digestible con uh, concept, but you know, because we, we both know, and I'm sure all the listeners know that money can cause extreme amount of stress on your life. (laughs) So the last thing you want to do is have your child stressing about money. And so, and it, it could it could be for numerous things. It could cause stress. It could be an embarrassing topic to talk about. You know, there's so many different things that um, come along when you bring uh, finances into kids.
1: But nevertheless, I still think it should be a topic, right? You yes. know, it definitely be
0: with the balance about- of it. There's
1: yeah. there's a balance, and I don't know what that balance is. I don't have kids. I'm not a mom, but um, yeah, it's definitely. I think that kids pick up on a lot of things and even if you're not intentionally doing something, a lot of times your children will pick up on it and like carry that on in their lives. Yeah and, and to add on to that, it can cause a whole lot of
0: confusion, right? I mean kids are, they're, they're experiencing all this for the first time and so if they're picking up on these cues, especially people who grew up in a not so financially stable households, they pick up on these cues and all it does is cause a little bit of confusion. So it sounds like you were like, kind of, you know, you had your privileges, but you also weren't, you know, Becky on the block driving around in a Porsche, you know, everything handed to you.
1: Definitely. I,
0: so once you turn 18, you know, you go to college, were there any financial mistakes that you were making as you, grown to you know go out into this real world
1: um I'm trying to think well I mean I think it depends on how you view a mistake I mean I think that my choices in life are not necessarily everyone else's choices and if you look at it from like a purely financial standpoint it could be like the wrong decision I guess like I went I chose to go to a school that was a little bit more expensive than like every. Option that I had, and it wasn't like outrageous. It was very reasonable, and I got a scholarship, so it was still like conscious and within the reach. But it was also like there was in-state schools that were cheaper. You know, like I could have done something cheaper if I wanted to. Um, so I think that that could be viewed as a mistake, but I personally don't think it was because I am very happy with my choices um, and where it's led me to today. So. I don't know that that's really a mistake. Yeah.
0: I mean, you bring up a good point. It's like you, the way you described it, you might not have taken the optimal path, meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, you could have maybe saved a couple thousand dollars switching scores or whatever. But again, in the grand scheme of things, I I don't consider that a mistake. I think none of us can always take the optimal path. We never really know what the optimal path is. Um, Yeah. But exactly. yeah, I, I, don't, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't really consider that a mistake. So with that being said, I'm sure you didn't go into like hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt or maxed out a bunch of credit cards or.
1: Yeah, no, I, um, I've been very fortunate to have my parents help me with school. And so that's definitely a privilege that I'm very grateful to have. So I have not had to stress as much about like big student loans. Um, I also have been like working throughout college. I have not worked full-time, but I've been working part-time the whole time. So that definitely helps me. And that is one of the reasons why I've been able to be so, like hit these big money goals because I've been working and I've basically been saving like 80% of what I earn um, just because of my habits. Like I personally don't really value certain things like I don't really value like takeout or buying clothes or things like that. Um, I value more like experiences and like travel and like concerts and things like that. So that's where I tend to spend my money, and I do kind of like avoid other things. So I mean that's definitely helpful because takeout is very expensive um, if you do it repeatedly. So I just have been very like conscious on like where I'm spending my money and what how it aligns with my values and my goals in life.
0: Yeah, one of the questions I I like to ask guests, which I'm kind of finding a hard way to ask you this, but you know, a lot of times people have that turning point where they Mm -hmm. realize like, okay, I need to get my crap together. I'm going down the wrong path. I need to do a complete 180 and go the opposite way. But looking at your content, for example, you did something that i don't think i've ever heard of anyone doing and that's saving and investing $21,000 while in college and so people some people have never done that right so so was there really a point where you felt like you were going in the wrong direction and you had to have a complete 180 or have you always and and i want you to be as unhumble as possible right because people love to be humble and and say so, but but be honest, was there ever really a time where you were like, oh man, I'm going the complete wrong way? I need to change everything I'm doing. And or were you always going in the right direction, but maybe veering off the path a little bit?
1: I mean, I think that I have had a lot of like discipline and I've been really lucky to grow up with some foundation around financial. Um, but I think like Kind of a turning point. I wouldn't say that I was like going down the wrong path, but like I went to Spain for the first time when I was 16 and I was really lucky to go on this trip. And basically, when I was there, I just kind of like was like, wow, like this is amazing. I want to travel. I want to go and like live abroad. I want to do all of these things. And like, if I want to do these things, I have to start saving my money and I have to start being conscious with what I'm doing so that I am able to do the things that I want to. Um, so I feel like that was like a good like turning point in my momentum is it really like jump started me and made me want to like go full force because I saw the goal at the end of the tunnel, which was like me going on all these big trips and doing fun things like that. Um, so that was like the main thing that motivated me.
0: Okay. So let's dig a little bit deeper. I didn't think we were going to go down this road, but I, I really like this road we're going down. So you found inspiration in that trip, right? You. Mm-hmm. But why, why did you choose to go the route of saving up, investing, um, you know, going the long-term route instead of going the um, instant gratification route using credit cards or personal loans to fund these things so you can have it now and pay for it later? Because a lot of people do that. So mm-hmm. you're kind of going against the grain on that portion, which is a good thing. Yeah, but how talk me through that process of like was that even an option for you did you think like I could just live it up now and pay for it later or yeah
1: yeah I didn't um I've never really considered that like I've been very like to me in my mindset the way I am wired it's like credit cards are debit cards in my mind. Like it's the exact same thing. So like, I'm not going to spend more money than I have because I can't, because that's like not possible in my mind for my mindset. Like, I just know that I can't like, that's the credit limit is not real. It's all about how much money I have in my checking account. So I didn't really feel like that was an option for me. Um, I also like, kind of had like weird timing. So I couldn't really like, I didn't have time to go now. Like I wouldn't have had the opportunity. I had to like wait anyway. Um, And so since that, like I already had the time built in to wait, it just made more sense for me to save up and be able to do like big things. Like I took my first big trip by myself that I paid for, it wasn't by myself. I went with a friend, but um, I went to Iceland for a week when I was 19. um, And that was super amazing because it was like all this stuff that I've been working towards, like it's working and I am being successful in this. And even when I did travel, like I traveled cheaply and stayed in hostels and like, I was very conscious about everything else. So it's definitely not like lavish travel or anything like that. But um, that's, that's the I main, So I don't know so,
0: where my sense was going. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I love this um, because you said something very powerful. It's like, It's like you're satisfying that travel itch without uh, overindulging, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times when people travel, if I'm going to go to Paris, I want to eat at the best Paris restaurant, you know, the top rated. I want to stay at the best hotel. I want to really enjoy that experience. But I guess what people don't understand is like how much of that overall experience is just from the trip itself, meaning seeing things compared to where you stayed or what food you ate or how much that costs, like, I guess you kind of have to weigh, what do you really value out of the trip? Are you valuing the hotel? Are you valuing the food and the restaurant? Or are you valuing the experience, the, the flight, the, um, the things you're doing, like the monuments or whatever mm-hmm. you're going to do?
1: Yeah. That's exactly how I like think about it too. I'm like, I, I, don't really value like where I'm staying because if in an ideal scenario I'm not going to be there that much because I'm going to be out doing things you know so that's another way where I'm like as long as it's safe and like you know realistically clean and everything like that like I have standards but it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to be lavish it doesn't need to be anything like that um and I also have saved a lot on food um i always eat breakfast like where I'm staying um I go to the grocery store and buy snacks and stuff like that so that I don't have to like spend its money as much money eating out um I think that I do like to eat out when I travel because it is a good way to like experience the culture but I'm just really conscious of when I'm doing that and like not ordering the most expensive thing on the menu and like maybe only having one or two nice dinners and like having the other ones be more mid-range so I just think like again, yeah, like you said, it depends on what you value. And like the things that I value when I'm traveling are like seeing things that I've like dreamed about seeing and like excursions and stuff like that. Like when I went to Iceland, um, I did the like blue lagoon, which is this big, like natural spring that everyone goes to. It's super touristy. And it was like aggressively expensive. And it was like, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. It's very expensive. Like, I don't know if it's worth it, but I was like, well, who knows if I will come back to Iceland? Like, let me just do it. So I know that I did it and it was not worth the price. I'll tell you that it was like $150 for like a day. It was a lot. And, um, but anyway, like it's the experiences, these things that like, oh my God, I've seen all this stuff, people go here and like, it's famous. And like, I want to see that and do those things as well when I'm there. Um, so that's definitely how I'm like conscious about my spending, even when I'm in traveling. Yeah.
0: I think that's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal motivation, right? Because, you know, you have to have, um, a reason bigger than yourself, bigger than money itself in order to achieve like wealth building. You have to have, And having experiences or some people, children or all of these other factors that can motivate you to go down the path you're doing with saving and investing and doing, you know, building wealth over the long term. So let's talk about some of the tactical steps, right? So if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 22. Okay, so you're Gen Z. Look at this Mm -hmm. guy's perfect demographic, right? There we go. So Gen Z to Gen Z, what were some, oh, I'm sorry, before I go there, what was your degree in when you went to college?
1: Um, so I'm actually a senior right now. So I am still in college, but it's in Spanish and marketing.
0: Spanish and marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're, okay. So that just completely threw me off. So not only have know, you, right? <laughs> not only have you already started saving and investing $21,000 while in college, but you're still in college and you're still able to save and not operate in a deficit when you're traveling and obtaining all these experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That completely threw me off. I I
1: also like, it's important to note that like my parents have been helping me. So that's why like I can save as much as I can because they are helping me with living expenses and tuition while I'm in school. Um, I've definitely been like working and like working hard as well. Like it's not all of them, but that's definitely a really important piece of the puzzle that I want to note.
0: Okay. You know, and I pre- I appreciate that because that is a privilege that that not everyone For sure. um gets. So it's it's great to point that out. But I also I want to give credit where credit is due, right? Most parents cannot do that. So it's also their hard work and the work they put in it over the years. And I, I'm sure. Myself, I can speak for myself, and I can speak for many people I've talked to. They want to be able to afford their child that opportunity.
1: Yes, so that
0: that's why we're doing this, so that it's
1: one of my goals too. Exactly,
0: that's why we're doing. That's why we're building wealth so our children can have the options and the road that you're going down. And you know, so I I do want to. I don't want to just give it all up to privilege because someone in this story has worked hard. Whether it's you, whether it's your parents, or whoever, and however it contributes to each other. So what are the tactical steps that you began taking to start investing, start building wealth? So firstly, like, where did you start getting your investing education from? Um,
1: Yeah, so I definitely learned some things from my parents, for sure. Um, I have just honestly just been super conscious about like I want to learn about this and there's actually so many resources out there Um, like I was devouring books at the library the library you know they're free there (laughs) and they're so good Um, podcasts like reading articles just being very like aware of everything that's going on and like just asking the right questions as well like I just kind of like have definitely been getting to this point where like, if I'm thinking this question, I just kind of ask people it and you'd be surprised what they tell you and all of the information that they can give.
0: So how do you differentiate between what information is good information and what information is bad information?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have pretty solid foundation now, like I can kind of tell, but I think that just doing a lot of research, like getting, the answer from multiple sources is really important because then you can see if they match up. And if they don't, well, then maybe you need to dig a little bit deeper into it and consider like which one and why they think that. And it's also like important to know, like, what did their journey look like? You know, like certain people are very strict about like no debt and don't eat out and don't travel until you have you're debt-free and then other people go like the exact opposite route so you need to like just understand like what is their like viewpoint and experiences as well to like really understand what they're saying mm-hmm.
0: and how much does it weigh on your decision making if you're gonna basically value the information they're giving how much weight does it hold of their the person okay this is a very hard i'm having trouble like even structuring this question how do you know the person who is putting out the information? How do you validate their credibility? And I'll I'll use examples like we've if we if you have a TikTok or Instagram, you see the reels all the time of this is the next crypto that's going to make you a millionaire, or this is the NFT you need to buy in order to go to dinner with Snoop Dogg or you know, all these different, and then you of course have people like. Me who are like, look, this is the index fund to buy for the next 50 years and you'll become a millionaire. So how much credibility do you give on the person itself?
1: Um, yeah, I think it depends on like their experiences. Like a lot of times they like tell you their credibility. They're like, I am a millionaire and I've done this, or like I have this big net worth, or I paid up this much debt. Um, and you can also just like do a lot more research and see like a lot of these people on TikTok are like coaches or like writers or something like that where like a lot of times you can like look up their website and see like how many people have they helped where have they been featured and things like that if you're looking for that kind of information um but like as to me like i kind of stick towards like very basic information like i don't right now at least i'm not into crypto or NTFs or anything like that so um I just like kind of have like the baseline. And I also like have a lot of people in my network that are financial advisors as well, like a lot of people from my hometown that I can like, if I have a serious question, and I need a real answer, I can ask someone that's licensed because I have like connections.
0: Yeah, and it's it's great to have a network, a network of people who you can look to for um, tips or financial advice or even just a second opinion on hey I heard about this today do you know anything about it and you'll be surprised uh at how much people know like the amount of useless information that I don't think I will ever use in my head yeah yeah look, yeah. Yes. Look like
1: yeah, yeah that's I like my brother's like trademark like, that's his tagline just like useless facts that he tells us all the time
0: yeah it's like like the amount of, I know about black holes is absolutely phenomenal, but that's just because I just, I'm indulged in it. And, but know. that's, that's a great point. It's like, you have to understand. And also what are people's intentions, right?
1: Like, yes, exactly, if
0: their intention is to sell an investing course, of course you might look at them a bit different than someone whose intention is just to purely put out educational content and they have no, um, no, no, ah, no dog in the fight, right? Like whether you take the advice or not, like that's what I want this podcast to be about. Like people don't have to take every single thing I say and run with it, but I'm going to put the information out there and you can pick and choose what you find value in. And that's why I love bringing on people like you who have their own stories. It's like, I can find value in the conversations we have. And I, I'm sure others can too.
1: Yeah, and I just think it's it's also... Cool because you know all these different listeners they're all going to get their own thing that's going to stick out to them and be more important for them in their journey so I think that's also important that like they can listen to what resonates with them
0: yeah exactly and and then they can leave what the, they can leave what doesn't right you don't exactly. have to take everything so what were so you you start absorbing all this education and you decide like this is the route I'm gonna go this is how I'm gonna do it What does that route look like? What tactical steps did you start taking in order to start saving and investing for the long term?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, well, like I started saving and I just had a lot of money in my checking account. And so then at that point, I was like, well, my money's just sitting here. It's not doing anything, it's not earning me anything. I want it to earn me money Um, because I know that's possible that you can, you know, put it somewhere and it'll earn you interest or. So anyway, I decided to open an investment account um, and just invest in like it was like a pre determined um, portfolio of mutual funds. So it was just like mutual funds, nothing special. Um, And that was my first investment account. Um, And then after that, like I kept saving money and um, I opened a few other savings accounts that also earned you money. Um, like I have a specific account at a credit union that gives you, um, it's called a money market account that gives you like, normally it's like 1%, but like right now it's like nothing, but (laughs) the interest rates are different. It used to be, it used to be better, but, and then like a high yield savings, just like finding ways to like make your money do more than just like sit in your account, especially if like all of your bills are covered. Cause like I was to the point where like I had a solid amount of money in my checking account. And I was like, I'm never going to spend this much money. Like this is not re- realistic for me. Cause like, I don't have like these giant bills yet, so I can move some of this to do something harder. So I think that was definitely important. And like, then, um, when I was 19, I opened up a Roth IRA, um, and so that was exciting. And I set that up to have like a reoccurring investment every month. So now I just invest every month and I don't even have to do anything because it's just like automatic. So that's really nice that I'm just like building my wealth without doing anything.
0: Yeah. And that I always suggest people open a Roth, have it coming out automatically, but I have a question for you and it kind of alludes back to what we were talking about earlier why did you choose because you're obviously a very experience driven person that's what brings you much happiness in life why did you choose to save it for the future instead of spending it on more experiences
1: yeah I think a lot of it comes from like my age and like I didn't have like any lot of freedom um I also like this is a big thing that I found is like I didn't have people who wanted to go with me or who could afford to go with me to do these things so I was just kind of like, I'm not going to go alone because I don't feel like that's safe. Um, And that would be a little, a lot to go somewhere new by yourself for the first time, you know, like it's just a lot of, it's like overwhelming to go somewhere new, especially when you're trying to like navigate the city and stuff like that. And so I didn't really want to do that alone. Um, And just like the timing, like I've been in school, so I didn't really have like, it's not like I could take a week off in the middle of February to go travel when I have class then. So definitely that's the timing and like I couldn't find anyone to go with me so a lot of it was just like it just kind of seemed like my only option in my opinion like I couldn't really go and do these things now and I've never really been I mean when I was a kid for sure I was like super into material things but as I've grown up like I've become like less into like material things and more into things that are like intangible like experiences and so I haven't really like wanted to buy things as much because I just don't do that it's very unnormal for me and so um it just feel it felt weird um I also like growing up like we went to thrift shops all the time like excessively and so like going to a real store to, like buy clothes like feels terrifying because the prices are like so much for like one shirt too I mean you know it depends on where you live and like the area that I live in, like there's a lot of expensive stores and I'm just like, I do not want this shirt bad enough to pay $50 for it. So it's just like a lot of it's like my experience and like my baselines that I have in my mind. I'm like, oh, it shouldn't be this much. And I know they're outdated now, but anyway, it's just held me accountable.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, and the reason I, I hope I'm not making you uncomfortable with all no, these you're questions, not. but it's like, I just want to show that not all Gen Z are the stereotypical gen z the live for today yolo uh just get what you want when you want regardless of the cost like some of us are very meticulous and we want to spread that we want to spread that mindset the delayed gratification mindset because we get a very bad rap and i i will admit i see why you know at least with peers that i've grown up with and stuff like that but There are still the outliers like myself, like you, that embrace delayed gratification. We're thinking for the long term. And to be very, I want to be humble when I say this, but we are financially, we are more financially financially mature than Mm -hmm. some people even older than us, some millennials, Gen X and
1: Definitely true, and it's it's crazy, and that's like another reason why I've like started my page and like started doing this is because like over like half of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and obviously there's those people who like can't afford it, and like they have their basic necessities that they're struggling to meet. And I'm not speaking about those people because obviously they're doing everything they can, but then there's another subset of the people who most likely can't afford their living. They're just living paycheck to paycheck because they don't understand like exactly how to manage their money because it's hard because no one teaches us these things, you know? Like it's not taught in schools. like And that's another thing that I've learned growing up is like, everyone doesn't know this. Like this is not normal. And that's, that's wild to me because it feels like ingrained in me. Um, and that's definitely something that I've been very lucky to have that feeling. And so I definitely want to help spread that because, you know, this delayed gratification is kind of something you have to have in order to build the life that you want. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to that, but like the normal life that a lot of people want, like having kids and retiring one day, all of those things you need to save and delay your spending, you know, in order to have those and be successful in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. You brought up That like the people who are, have to work two jobs in order to survive, like we are not trying to shame you. We understand you are doing absolutely everything you can. And we want to help you. We wanna give you advice. We want to be a part of that journey. Who we are shaming are the people who are living paycheck to paycheck when they should not be. Like if you're making six figures a year, you should have some type of retirement account. You should have some type of, because if there's people who are living on $30,000 a year, And they're, and they don't have these things. That's one thing because, you know, you're close to the poverty line, but making three times as much as them, you should not be in the same position they are. And you might have a nicer car than them. You might have a nicer home than them. You might have materialistic things that are better, but you're still in the same spot they are. So.
1: Yeah. And I don't think we want to like shame them. I don't think that's the right like word, it's just kind of like, make them like, be aware of this and be conscious of this because like, it's really hard once you get in this. And like, especially those like six figure owners, like I can imagine that they feel shame that they don't know how to do it already because they are earning all of this money. You know, like it kind of feels like, Oh, what do I do now? Like, who do I ask? Because it seems like I'm already supposed to know this. So definitely just like realizing that everyone has this option and everyone has a choice in what they do.
0: Yeah, I think, I think shame was the wrong word. I agree with you. No, it's, it's like, okay. I, but that's who we're talking to. That's who we're targeting. Because for sure. Because they have the ability to change overnight. All they have to do is change their mind, right? Yes. Like, and that's mind the hardest everything, part. For sure. that, that's the hardest part.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel like I don't make that much money. I do not. I have part-time jobs during the school year. And the only time I work full-time is during the summer for like three months. And I have to pay my rent and everything. So... I think it's very possible to like do things with a small amount of income. It's about how you manage your money. And obviously there are, you know, extremes to that. And like, not everyone is about like having the options to manage their money, but a lot of times I think you can do more with a certain salary than people think.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many different reasons that that is, you know, whether it's, cars you know you want to drive a nice car but you can't really afford it or you want these nice things that you can't really afford but you know you work hard and you you work hard so you think you deserve it and there's so many different underlying reasons that what you just said is so true
1: well and a lot of it too i think is like especially if you grow up like in the middle class like anywhere from like upper lower middle class like you become accustomed to this. Like, this is what you know, like, this is the lifestyle that you're used to. And like, you're used to being able to go out to eat and like do these things and not worry. And then they grow up and they become an adult and they realize, well, crap, I can't afford what I'm used to. And then it's really hard for them to like break those habits because this is all they've ever known. And so that's definitely another thing is like, Obviously, like the cost of living increases. And so there's differences too. And like what they used to might have been like more affordable then. But like it's a really big like mental piece to realize that you can't provide yourself the life you wanted, at least immediately, like entry-level job, I mean, you know, that you've got accustomed to. So it's definitely hard like to to struggle with that mindset piece that like maybe this isn't the time for you to keep doing that. And you need to shift your priorities for now at least. Obviously you know, as you keep growing and advancing your career, that hopefully would change. But like, I mean, like first job out of college, like it's definitely a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why people like Dave Ramsey are so successful in their teachings, because his methods will shock your system. You know, you saw that as you grew up, your parents had a car payment for your whole life and they drove very nice vehicles. And then you get on the phone with him and he says, sell your car. You can't afford it. You're like, no, 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 I can afford that payment. But he's he's operating from such a different realm of and I I love Dave Ramsey. I'm not trying to talk bad about him, but his his teachings are very shocking to people and, and people need to hear it. He's very um, he he's he's experienced. I mean, and it works.
1: I think there's there's good and there's bad to Dave Ramsey. I think that he definitely has like very valid points, but a lot of times I think it's hard for people to like, if you, you know, you hear like, you're not supposed to eat out. You're not supposed to spend any money at all. Like it's really hard for people to just go from like all or nothing, you know? So I think that like adding in like some fun and like allowing yourself like certain things. So it's like, instead of spending $200 a month eating out, let's try to spend a hundred and then you know, keep working with that and see how it feels instead of like going all or nothing can help people be a lot more successful. And like the reason why it's so important for them to become successful on their journey is because like, well, if you start down this path of like, okay, this is my goal and it's really unrealistic and it's too hard to meet, then you don't meet the goal. Then you feel bad about it. So you potentially could buy other things. And then you keep going down this like downward cycle. But on the other hand, If you have a sustainable goal and then you hit the goal and you're like, wow, I can actually save more than that than I thought. And then you just keep going, hopefully on an upward trajectory. So like, I think it's important to like, not restrict yourself completely because it makes it really unrealistic that you're going to continue on this journey. And that's the most important thing is like, is this sustainable? Like, are you going to be able to keep doing this, you know, for the rest of your life?
0: And it doesn't just go for finances. It goes for every single aspect of your life. You can't just, if you're if you're used to drinking every single day and you just quit cold turkey, 99% of people are just going to go back. It's the same for drug use, even the gym. If you haven't gone to the gym for three years and you go for one week and absolutely kill yourself, you're not going to continue to keep that up over a long term. And when it comes to anything, it's all about consistency. And exactly. Exactly when you go to the pure extreme, like you said, the odds of you being consistent go way down. But if you wean yourself into it, like you said, instead of spending $200 a week, I'm going to spend $100 a week. Oh, I just did 100. Maybe I'll go to 75. And if you go to zero, phenomenal, right? But you're more likely to stay consistent. And when you're building wealth, when you're trying to kick a bad habit. It's all about consistency. I love that, Elizabeth. I love that. So how do you think, um, how do you think your life has changed since you started down this financial literacy aspect, not only educating, but also inspiring other people, you know, so early in your life, because you said you're 22. So you have so many years ahead of you. And we both know what compound the power of compounding interest so it's like talk about that a little bit like how do you feel finding it so early and being able to take advantage essentially in your prime
1: um I feel really excited because I think that like at least for me and for my goal like my goal right now is to travel and like it's really important that I have this financial literacy because otherwise like this goal wouldn't be realistic. And then like, you know, in five to 10 years, I could be married and having kids or something like that. Like, and then I wouldn't have all this time to travel. So I think it's really important. Like the timing of this is like, this is my opportunity to do this. And also like, I'm just really excited because I know that since I've started so young and I know the power of compound interest and like how investing works and things like that. Like it will be a lot easier for me to reach like retirement and to have like a big nest egg at retirement. And so I'm definitely excited that I've started so early and it just makes me so passionate about it is like, it's crazy. Compound interest is crazy that I can just put such a little amount in because I have all of time on my side and grow these investments. And I just want to like share this with everyone. I'm like, this is literally magic. Everyone needs to do this. Like, you know, you can like make money just for investing it. And it's crazy. Um, and I think that like my journey has changed because I know that like I have time on my side and I don't need to be as stressed about these because I know that I have you know, the ability to reach all of my goals, especially since I started so young and I, you know, I can set up my life based on the things that I want to do.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think because um, I'm only 23 and I think I'm very privileged to have found um these things, this financial literacy, financial independence, retire early movement, things like that. I'm very privileged that I found it at such an early age, because of the fact that, you know, our parents, they didn't have access to resources as much as we did. Doesn't mean the concept wasn't there, but it was a lot harder to get to. For sure. But with that being said, knowing the information is less than half the battle, but it's also implementing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I always give credit to like, I didn't find this movement on my own. I found it because I was I had already started saving and I needed somewhere to put my money. That's when I learned about investing. I learned about compounding interest. I learned about real estate. So, but it all started with saving. You had all this money in your checking account. You're like, hmm, this just this shouldn't be sitting here. I know it yeah. shouldn't be sitting here. Exactly. So what to do with it? And that's kind of what started the snowball to get you to where you are today. So I agree. So Elizabeth, what is your overall opinion on debt? Do you believe there are good debts, bad debts? How does that work out in your head?
1: Um, I think it's really important. Like when we're talking about money to realize that like everything is neutral, like, because it's just a word, it's just a thing that happens debt is just a tool. Um, And like everyone feels all this guilt and the shame around debt and, while I understand that and it's hard not to at times debt can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing and I think it depends on like why you're in debt and I think that like examples of good debts are like I think student loans are difficult and I think that there's like there's a balance there like you know not going to a potentially a private school that pay that costs like double the price of a state school and taking out twice as many student loans. But I think that student loans can be a really great tool because otherwise you wouldn't have had the opportunity. You know, student loans make college a lot more accessible to some people. And while they are unrealistic, and I wish that we had free tuition, free college, I wish that deeply, it is a good tool that it's nice that we have the opportunity that you can still go to school even if you can't afford it, you know? Um, another one that I think is like mortgages are a great tool, like, because otherwise homeownership would be so hard if you couldn't take out a mortgage. Like, it would be very, very few people that would be able to own a home. Um, so I think mortgage is a great debt because it's building your assets as well. You know, you're paying your monthly mortgage payment and your building up, you know, principal in the loan, as well as like rental properties. You can take a mortgage out on that or some other kind of loan. A business loan can also be good depending on, you know, what your business is in the business model. But like these type of loans just like provide you more opportunities. And, you know, these other opportunities can help progress you in your journey. They can make your business more successful and make more money or they can make, your career more successful, or they can make your, like your wealth building easier. Um, And then I do think that there are some debts that are like not as exciting. Like I think credit card debt is very difficult because it depends on the circumstances. Like a lot of people go into credit card debt because they had no other choice and they didn't have an emergency fund to pull from, and so their credit card was their only option. And that is definitely a different scenario. Um, but if there's people like you said earlier about the instant gratification and they just need to buy it now, and then they can't afford it, um, I think that's really dangerous. And credit cards are so hard because, you know, they give loans, not loans, they give credit limits to a lot of people and, you um, a lot higher limits than probably they should, and like is responsible. Um, and so that's why they are so dangerous, especially because the interest rate on credit cards is like average, like 17% at least. Um, and that's why credit cards are terrifying because if you pay the minimum payment, you know, you will be in debt for twice as long as you should most likely.
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, you started off by saying loans or debt can be a tool. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. There
0: are very few exceptions to that rule. Right. Very few. I'm talking about like loan sharks and, you know, crazy debts, payday lenders. I mean, I, I at least don't see how you can ever use crazy things as a tool, but things like a mortgage, student loans, business loans, even credit cards when used properly, they can be used as a tool. But, oh, for sure. and, there, and there is an apex, basically what you described is an apex, you know, there's, mm-hmm. when you're using debt to create income, it, it shifts the weight of it a little bit. So using a credit card to buy a TV, you're not creating any income by that. But if you're spending $20,000 to, in student loans to get a degree, you're going to be earning 50, 60, $70,000 in that is a pretty good return on investment, right? Exactly. So it's all, and there is an apex. You wouldn't spend $200,000 for a degree that's going to earn you $50,000 a year because the it just, it doesn't balance out. And the same thing with a mortgage. You wouldn't take out a million-dollar mortgage on a $500,000 house, or you wouldn't take a million-dollar lo- business loan on a business that creates $2, $200,000 a year. There's just, there's, there's levels to it, and... You expressed it very well. Like, there is an apex where debt does make sense, but sometimes it doesn't. Oftentimes, it doesn't make sense. There was one thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned way earlier in the podcast. I can sure. skip over it. You said you currently have the 80% savings rate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, like currently, because for like right now, for my situation is that I am in my last semester of college and I had to, well, last semester I had three jobs. And so I had to stop one of my jobs um just because I was killing myself and, you know, for my mental health. So right now it's not exactly like that, but um, through the majority of my college experience, um, I have been saving, well, it's yeah, I've been saving about, I'd say at least 50% interest investing. And I use saving and investing like interchangeably because in my mm-hmm. mind, like investing is saving and it is, but um, that's why I keep saying like saving and investing because they're like in one lump in my head.
0: Yeah, so what do you, so first of all, we can agree, it's pretty obvious you didn't start there, right? You didn't start just instantly saving such a high amount. You had to work your way up. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I definitely had to like, I got a job and I needed to see what my income would be because it's not very stable. You know, like the kind of jobs I have worked in like restaurants and um, like nannying with very different hours, it's not like a steady paycheck where I'm gonna get the same amount every you know month. So it's definitely interesting I had to see that and like set my goals around that.
0: Okay. And so what do you project? i'm I'm sure you've done projections with graduating, you know, if you start moving out on your own and your bills are changing. I know it's, it's kind of hard to give an exact amount, but what do you think you'll be able, what savings rate do you think you'll be able to retain once you are out of college and you know, you, you're, you go through that transition? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that I will save like at least 50%, um, maybe more. It depends. Like I have some big goals that I want to hit that might be unrealistic. And so there is a good chance that I like push myself really hard and, and save more than that.
0: Okay. Well, that's a great segue into the we'll next. See. I need
1: to um, balance is important. And I tend to like veer on the opposite side is like most people, like potentially it's hard to balance everything. And I balance on the other side. I'm like, I do too many things and don't let myself have fun and breathe a lot of times. So I definitely need to like make sure that I'm still like enjoying life and being young.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. It's it's crazy you mentioned that like being young thing because a lot of times it has like a misconception that being young is associated with like like you there's a bad association like you can't be responsible and young, right? But you're obviously doing it. Not true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. And when I say have fun, I just mean like a lot of times in my head I'm like, oh, I don't need to go and like buy a six dollar smoothie, even though like. I never buy food out. I never get coffee. I never go to Starbucks. I never do any of that. So like, if I want to do that, like once in a blue moon, like I think I need to remember that that's okay. And like spending isn't the enemy. It's just like spending consciously and making sure that you don't spend too much in other areas. So I definitely feel like I'm teetering on that unhealthy side of like, because spending is good. You know, spending is how you get to the things that you want because money isn't the goal. Money is just a tool to get towards the goal. And so, like, I definitely feel like I fall victim to, like, oh, I worked so hard. I've saved all this money. Like, now I don't want to spend it because I used to work so hard. But then I have to remind myself that, like, that's not the goal. Whereas, like, I'm obviously investing and that stuff isn't being spent, but like, I don't need to feel guilty, like spending my money traveling and doing my big goals that I've been working towards, you know, cause that's the motivation.
0: Yeah. I love it. So money is the tool. It's not money is not the goal. It's the tool to get to the goal. I love it. And I couldn't have said it better myself. So Elizabeth, let's talk about what are some of your short-term goals that you hope to accomplish within the next six months to a year?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I am planning to, well, I'm going to move to Spain in October um, and take a gap year there and teach English for a year. Um, So I'm super excited about that. And that's relevant because that's my big goal is to just like save up a bunch of money for when I'm in Spain. Um, I'm still going to be like earning income and getting paid, but it's not going to be as much because it's a part-time thing. So I'm definitely going to work really hard. Um, I'm planning to work full time from May to like October um, at a restaurant that I work at and have a needing job on the side as well to save up a bunch of money for that, Um, which I'm very excited about. I set a big goal and um, I've been doing some math and I think it's very reachable. So that makes me excited that its realistic goal because I tend to set very big goals and like maybe not possible goals. I mean that, well, I that. It's reachable. That's whatever, my, big goal right now.
0: know, well, whatever it's worth. I mean, moving to Spain for a year does seem like a pretty big goal. In my opinion, but, it is a
1: big goal. I'm excited. Cause like, as I, as I mentioned earlier, like when I was 16, I went there and I was like, this is my big goal is to move here. And like, to see it all come full circle and like realize that like all my hard work is paying off and like, I'm finally going to do it. Like makes me so excited. And it's just crazy. Cause I feel like I've been working towards this for so long.
0: Uh, essentially since you were 16, I mean,
1: yeah, exactly. So it's been, a, it's been a while. <laughs>
0: well, it's, it's great to see that, you know, your goal is going to come to fruition within the next year. That is yeah, awesome. it is
1: crazy. It's wild. Hopefully COVID doesn't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> <I swear. laughs>
0: you... You better knock on wood. I am.
1: I did right now. <laughs> okay.
0: So what are some of your long-term goals that you hope to accomplish in your finances within the next five to 10 years? What does the finish line look like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, so one of my goals that is also kind of a short-term goal because it's it's a constant goal is to max out my retirement account every year, my Roth IRA. Um, at least while I can, you know, hopefully one day I will not be able to contribute to it. If I make that much money, that would be awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to hope for that. But right now, that's one of my goals is to max that out every year, as long as I can. Um, Another one of my goals, like I said, is to travel, especially while I'm young. I think that's an important goal for the next like phase of my life. Since I know that my freedom and like flexibility is going to go down at some point, I'm going to have a lot more responsibilities. Um, one of my big goals, I think that I'm like, is my biggest goal in my mind is, um, to work towards coast fire, like being able to invest a lot since I'm so young and I have time on my side and then not being, having to worry about it and seeing like that I will, if I never put another dollar in, I'll be able to retire with this amount, this amount of money. Um, and so mostly that's just like. I want to do that for my peace of mind and just so that I know like I don't ever have to worry about it and I will be fine. Even though that is my goal, I don't think that I will stop investing once I reach that goal. I think I'll most likely keep doing it, but just probably shifting my focus away from that being my main priority once I reach it um, to then my next priority, I think would be getting a rental property. I really want to um, get a rental property and earn some income
0: from that. Girl, I love me some real estate. Whew.
1: I know. I'm, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely like torn between like, do I work towards like co-spire or more? Or do I work towards rental property? I'm probably going to do both. Um, but it's just like, which one is, which one's first?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you how I came to that decision, mm-hmm. which was someone said something phenomenal to me. They were like, the reason you can't do both is because of your income limitations. So which one increases your income? And it was like, that's true, right? If I could, if I could max out a 401k, max out an IRA and buy real estate, I would do all three, but mm-hmm. I can't because my income isn't sure. able to do that. So which one increases your income? Well, your 401k and stuff like that, that doesn't, you know, that takes away from your income. It doesn't increase it. So that's why I chose real estate. And I mean, To each his own, you know, you can make whatever choice, but that's something someone said to me and I was like, wow, that's phenomenal. That should be on on a
1: book. I mean, I think that makes sense. I think that, yeah, real estate, if it all works out well and you get it rented every year like you plan, um, I think that could be a great point. Yeah.
0: And I'm just going to quickly explain a couple of things you said. For listeners who uh, don't, might not understand, you were talking about maxing out a Roth IRA, which the contribution limits for this year is $6,000. And you were also talking about hopefully a goal is to not be able to contribute in the future. And basically, what Elizabeth is talking about, guys, is once you make a certain amount annually, you're no longer eligible to require uh, to um, contribute. You're not, contribute to a Roth IRA. You have to use other retirement uh, investment vehicles. Yeah. And another thing you mentioned was Coast Fire which is basically, for those who do not know, FIRE Me is an acronym for Financial Financially Independent Retire Early. And COAST FIRE means you put enough money into your investment account up front, and it will compound into whatever money you will need to retire comfortably. So if you put in, let's just call it $50,000 when you're 18, if you no longer contribute, that $50,000 over 40 years is going to end up becoming millions of dollars without any contribution so it coasts its way up just by starting early so that's what she's talking about which is an awesome goal. um, I would say because it's like you can do so much work up front you can work your butt off for five years get to whatever that number is, and then you never have to worry about your retirement again it's going to take care of itself as long as of course the country doesn't burn down in that 60 years or whatever.
1: Yeah, I definitely like think it's a great goal because then I can like kind of just like check my little box off and I'm like, all right, done. <laughs> and it's hard because a lot of these goals, you know, they're reoccurring, you know, it's you can't ever finish it. So that's why I'm like, well, it sounds like a great thing to work towards because I could just check it off.
0: Yeah. And, and you said something funny, is like, once I get there, um, I'm still probably gonna invest. And that's yeah, one of those things. Am. Yeah, and that's one of those things. It's like once you get close to the finish line, you're like, uh. Eh. I'm gonna go a little bit further <laughs> and then you end up like tens of millions of dollars and hey, I mean that's
1: the goal. Well, it's just like it's hard now because like I know inflation's gonna go, and I just don't know that like this number that is obviously like you're accounting for inflation, but it's just hard to know everything's gonna work out, you know in 40, 50 years.
0: exactly it, but you can only control what you can control. Exactly. So, and what you can control is how much you invest today. So, all right, Elizabeth, we're going to transition into the final questions of the podcast. And of course, I ask these same questions to every guest I bring on. Are you ready? I'm ready. First question. Everyone has their own definition of what it means to have financial peace. What is your definition?
1: Um, I think financial peace is like, in my mind, it's financial freedom where like you are able to buy the things that you want within reason, without having to worry about it, like, you can go out to eat, you know, as many, not as many times as you want, but like, obviously, you know, there's an apex of like, in between, like, you'd have to be conscious and not go crazy. But like, mostly for me, it would just be like, where I can go out to eat and not worry about it, where I can buy as many things at the grocery store as I want and not worry about it. Um, and just like, know that no matter what I spend, I'm going to still reach my goals. And obviously this is all, you know, relative, but I tend to focus on the little things and not spend on like little things. And so maybe when I will like have more freedom towards like other small things as well.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. So question number two. If there are listeners out there that want to start building wealth and have no clue where to get started, what would you tell them?
1: Um, I think it's really important for them to get straight on their goal and like realize like, what is your goal? Is your goal to pay off debt? Is your goal to buy a house? Is your goal to, you know, start re- investing for retirement or, and when you do goals like that like travel is like one of my main motivations like it's important to realize like why you want that goal like why do you want to pay off debt like why are you driving to that is it because then you'll have you know peace of mind those bigger things that are bigger than money like why do you want a house so that way you'll have a home or something like that and really holding on to that motivation because that is how you will stay consistent in this journey is if you realize it's bigger than this number. Um, And so I think understanding what your goal is, is the first step because if you don't have a goal, then how can you work towards it? Um, Yeah, there's, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Um, Also, if you have your goal, that's great. And if you're struggling with feeling like you don't have a lot of income to work with, a great tool is to start tracking your spending and see where it actually goes. I think that if you do this exercise for a month and just write down what you spend, it can be really eye-opening to see old subscriptions that you've never canceled and fees that you're missing. And like, wow, did I really spend that much at takeout this month? Like it just can really blow your mind and realize that like, wow, I understand that, like, I like this, but I do not value that as much as I spend my money on it.
0: Yeah, I think Anthony O'Neill has such a great quote. He used to be uh, one of the Ramsey personalities. But the quote is, if your why doesn't make you cry, then the price of commitment will. And it, it really attributes to what you just said, like if your why isn't strong enough, if you don't if you just say, I want to buy a house, but you don't know why you want to own your own home, you're not going to be willing to put in the work it takes to get there. So I agree that that is very something you need to identify very, very, very early in this journey if you choose to go on it is your is your why. So, third question, if there was one thing that you could advise everyone to avoid doing to build wealth, what would it be?
1: Yeah, we kind of touched on this earlier, but I think that like it's important to not restrict yourself of all fun, like to avoid like no spend on certain categories. I think that like in order to effectively and consistently and sustainably build wealth, you have to allow yourself some money for fun things, or you're never going to be able to continue this trend, you know, what, and, and when you do those fun things, making sure that your value, you're value, spending your money where your values are, like, what are your priorities? Like for me, it wouldn't make sense for me to spend $300 a month on clothes when I've already said that I do not value clothes. So that would be a way where I would be like, oh, I'm going to put my money, my fun money towards something that will make me happier.
0: Yeah, that's phenomenal. I I really love that point. It's like, do not be unrealistic because it's all about, at the end of the day if you take nothing else away from this episode all it takes is some consistency. If you're consistent, you will get to where you wanna be but it's not consistent to spend you know, a hundred dollars a month on groceries, like it's—it's yeah, unrealistic. You cannot consistently do that over long periods of time. So, therefore, if you cannot create consistency, you will never realistically get to where you want to be.
1: Exactly. The
0: fourth and final question: If there are people out there that don't believe they can reach financial peace due to their age their race, religion, sexual orientation, et cetera, what would you say to change their mind?
1: I just like, it's never too late to start. There's no time limit on your life and everyone's journey is different and that's okay. But like you have the power to change your life and it might not be easy, but realizing that everything you do in life is a choice you do not have to go to this job. You do not have to work there. You can get another job if you so choose. If you put in the time to apply to other jobs and stuff, you do not have to be with this person. You do not have to live in this town. These are all choices. And while it's really easy to feel like you don't have any other options, oftentimes you do if you search outside of yourself. So, it's never too late to start. You can change your life now, no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your career, no matter where you live, no matter if you have kids or not. Like start today and you'll be thankful you did.
0: God, Elizabeth, I I love that, right? I think the biggest part of the problem with I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say our generation
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that we act as though. Others are making choices for us. And in some cases, they are. there are there are cases where other people have control over some aspects of our life. But the majority of the time, it's our choices that make us that get us into whatever situation we are in. And I, I do it sometimes, so i'm not I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not guilty Thank of it. And, but, It's like, we are trying to dodge accountability. You know, we always want it to be someone else's fault. It's someone else's fault that I have to pay $1,500 in rent. Like, no, 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 no. You can go and get a roommate. You guys can split rent and you can pay half of that. Oh, well, I shouldn't have to live with a room. Okay, that's a choice you're making. Nobody is going to fault you for that choice, but you have to take accountability of the choices you make. You're not entitled to anything in life. You're not entitled to anything. Everything is a choice. So I, I love that. I really wish more people had that same mindset and could take accountability of the choices that they've chosen to make instead of passing that accountability onto someone else.
1: And it's not like these choices aren't hard because I do know a lot of people who are like that, that, you know, rent is very expensive where I live and, you know, it makes oh, people a lot of hard, but it's like, you're right. You are choosing to not live with the roommate, and I understand why you're choosing not to live with the roommate. But again, like that is your choice. You are right. You don't have to do this. You know, like no one's forcing you to do this. And I'm not saying it'll be easy because it'll be hard. It'll be very hard. But it is possible, and that's the biggest thing. But choose your
0: hard. Yeah. Like it's hard to live with a roommate, but it's also hard to pay $1,500 in rent every month. Choose yeah. your hard. Like that's what I you're that choose your hard. That's the choice you're making. We're not saying like you have to either pay the rent or live on the street. Like, no, no, no. There are hundreds of choices. You have to choose what path is worth taking to you. So choose your heart, right? Everything's going to be hard, but it's your choice to choose which one's worth fighting. Elizabeth, this has been such an awesome interview. I really, really, really appreciate you coming on today and having a conversation. There have been great nuggets to come out of this. So tell me, where can people find out more about you?
1: Um, Well, you can find me on Instagram. That's the most fun place. Um, My Instagram is my 2 finance. Um, and I'd love for everyone to come check me out on there, send me a message. If you have any follow-up questions, I'd be happy to chat with you. And, um, yeah, thanks to you for having me as a guest. This has been really amazing. I've enjoyed our conversation.
0: Absolutely. And of course, guys, you guys don't have to look far. I will have her Instagram linked down in the show notes below, and you can find her there, message her, ask her questions. If you want clarification on something she talked about, send her a message. She's always willing to have the conversation like most of us are. (laughs) But yeah, Elizabeth, I really, really love this conversation. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from it. I hope so. So thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you have a blessed rest of your day. You
1: too. Thank you.
0: And guys, that was my interview with Elizabeth. I really hope that you guys enjoy it. And I really hope that you guys are able to look at this young lady and realize, like, look, she's willing to sacrifice, right? We talked about debt. We talked about budgeting. We talked about her enjoying experiences more than things. And- There's no point in buying all of these things if what you really enjoy or really gets you going is experiencing different things, traveling, doing such. So you really have to understand that you have to figure out what you value in life and focus on that thing. That should become your why. And you don't have to have it today. Even if you can afford to have it today, you don't have to have it tomorrow. But realizing that you will have it is I think a big uh, deterrent for spur of the moment, you know, impulse decisions like going to other countries, just impulsively putting it on credit cards and things like that. So I really hope you guys can relate to the interview and relate to Elizabeth and hopefully you get something out of it guys. Like I said, she's 22. She's super young. She's Gen Z just like me. So I love to see this type of energy from the younger generation. With that being said, guys, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, please make sure that you leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever you're listening on, please, please, please drop down and give the podcast a review. Okay, that's all I ask. And of course, you guys know you can follow me on any of our social medias that are down in the show notes, you can message me on those, the message will come directly to me, you won't get a robot responding, you'll get actual me. And of course, I take some time to respond to messages sometimes. But I I normally get around to it. And of course, if you guys haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, if you're not watching on YouTube, you can go subscribe. And we actually have the full video of the episode if you guys want. And of course, Like I always mentioned, I do offer financial coaching services to you guys. I do uh, free consultations, 30 minutes. So if that's something you guys are interested in, give it a try. Uh, You can schedule that down on my calendar in the show notes. But I'm going to get up out of here, guys. I'm your host, James Bowman. And always remember, you're only as secure as your ability to perform. So spend your life accumulating assets that can perform for you. Later, guys.